Hi friends, welcome to Coffee with Caregivers. I'm your host, Jess Ronnie, also known as Jess Plus The Mess. I'm an author, speaker, and founder of The Lucas Project, a nonprofit dedicated to bringing recognition, resources, and respite to special needs families. I created Coffee with Caregivers as a space to bring awareness to the struggles that families often face, including difficulties related to finances, mental health, and everything else in between. It is my belief that stories can change the world, and through conversations with caregivers, I hope to provide awareness which will lead to compassion and resources. Thanks for joining me today, but first a word from our sponsors. Welcome everyone. It is my honor and privilege to be joined by one of my favorite people in the whole world, my husband, Ryan Ronnie. I thought he could offer a unique perspective as a caregiver. He has adopted my son, Lucas, and you got my story in the first episode. And now I thought it might be beneficial to get his side of the story. So here he is. Hey, honey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Such a pleasure to have you here today. because nice we to be so close. We never see each other anymore. Right. We are recording in the midst of this quarantine reality, so we get lots of quality together time. Right. Maybe we'll get along. With each other and our eight <laughs> children. Right. So anyway, so give me a little glimpse into your story, honey, as a special needs caregiver. How did it all begin? Hmm. I'm not sure how far back to go, but... I think even in my childhood, God prepared me for Lucas because I lived next door to two very severely handicapped children that I grew up with for, I would say, almost 16 years. I lived in that house and they grew up. I watched them from little little kids all the way up through adulthood and when they went off to a home and I saw some of the ins and outs of what they dealt with. So when I met Lucas for the first time, when I met Jess... I think it was not that shocking, really. I wasn't, I definitely wasn't prepared for what that entailed living with us, with my son that way. But I think it was a learning curve at the beginning. And it was, I was more focused on you, honey. Right. And he was, he was part of the package. <laughs> he was part of the package. <laughs> Along with three other kids. I remember in one of our very first emails together, you asking me, so what exactly is your son's diagnosis? Yeah, I had never heard of hydrocephalus. Okay. Uh, or honestly, I couldn't even say I know all of his diagnoses at this point mm -hmm. in his life. I just know how to handle him. Yeah, we were kind of talking about that the other day. I've never really defined Lucas by the terminology that all the experts have always attached to him. And people would ask me that, like, what's his diagnosis? And I'd be like, he has hydrocephalus. and He has severe special he needs. He has profound special needs. And <laughs> that about encompasses it all. And I think in a way that's kind of a good way to view him because he's. Yeah. I don't define him by his needs. He's just Luke. He doesn't fit into a category. No, he doesn't at all. Do you remember, like, that first year after we got married – did you feel like, wow, this is more than I could have anticipated or bargained for? Or again, it was just like, I mean, we had seven kids, so yeah. 
one more Luke, who was still pretty young at that age. He was. Or at that he was stage. pretty adorable most of the time. Right. Um, I think the screaming was intense. When he was upset, he just has a high-pitched scream that I don't think anybody could be prepared for. It still, to this day, bothers us both. So right. that was interesting and hard to adapt to. And then also just the fear of knowing that a kid that had no control and no communication skills, like, how am I going to know if something's wrong with him? He can't tell me. You right. know, I don't I have a headache. That's why I'm screaming or I need a new diaper. And, you know, just leaving him alone at night even made me nervous at the beginning. Now I'm not so nervous about it. But right. the concerns of, I think it was mainly the communication. I would have to pinpoint it to that. And we still struggle with that. Do you think being his adopted dad has lent to any additional difficulties in trying to bond with a, a primarily nonverbal autistic child? <laughs> I don't know that I could answer that because I don't have anything to compare it to. I might have to hear other people's stories. I think a kid like him, Lucas, doesn't connect to, right. to people like emotionally like like the rest of the kids would have. So as I've grown closer and closer to some of the other kids that I adopted, they become mine mm -hmm. as if they always were mine. Luke was just, I don't know that Luke ever changed. Lucas it has his own identity. Yeah. He doesn't have the same needs right. as the typical kids. And dads don't play the same role <laughs> as, yeah. as the mom. But the irony is, is you're his favorite person. <laughs> it's so funny. Like Luke has sort of decided he doesn't like women, and that includes his mother. So anytime <laughs> I try to do something for Luke... He will basically scream until dad comes and takes right. care of it. And I think I think I understand his language a little better. You, um, you're probably a little more patient. Right. I'll I'm listen like, to him. I don't know what you want. We'll try to right. work, work through it and problem solve together. Right. <laughs> but there's times when I don't figure it out either. Your personality is just more patient overall for sure. Right. How? What would you say has been the biggest challenge in your life? with having a child with profound special needs? How has it affected your daily life in the most meaningful way? It's a difficult question, I think, for all caregivers, because I'm sure everybody's story is a little different. But for us, nothing we do can be done on a whim. We can't get up one morning and say, you know, let's go fishing or let's go take the kids to the park. We have to plan every moment around Lucas where, you know, he, he is not one of those kids that wants to come along. He doesn't enjoy vacations. He doesn't enjoy anything outside of his comfort zone. So I think the hardest adaption for me is not being able to say, I want to go play golf. And I can't just do that and say, sorry, honey, you're stuck with Luke and, and the other seven kids, by the way. So, right. And that maybe that would be different if it wasn't just, right. you know, if, if Luke was the only one. But our situation calls for that. But I think it's just for me having to adapt to this lockdown like everybody else is dealing with this quarantine that's our normal life you know we have to plan to go get groceries we have to plan all right honey you want to work today then i got to be around if i right. want to work today then you got to be around so right. you know, there there's lots of different challenges but i would say that's probably the diff most difficult or even, stuck. yeah like our kids were josh and jada were in basketball this past 
winter. I don't even know. What month are we in? (laughs) May. Okay. Our children were in basketball this past winter, and you and I rarely even went to a game or practice together because somebody would have to stay home with Lucas because of all of the stimulation of an environment like that. Mm -hmm. He would have gone crazy. So that would not have been pleasant. We would have heard screaming and all done, all done, all done at the top of his lungs. And we should clarify too, Lucas is now, he will be 16 in August. And we understand that a lot of these behaviors have intensified with puberty yeah that has been very challenging but in like looking to the future do you have any concerns or worries about lucas or (laughs) (laughs) or more about you yourself about myself (laughs) yeah for sure i mean you and i talk about this all the time and i'm sure your listeners especially those with that are caregivers understand that that there is no certain future like, because we don't know. We don't know what Luke's future looks like. He could end up staying with us for the rest of his life. And I'm not sure what we do with that. You know, we have to find somebody to help us because mm-hmm. we can't be stuck to our home for the rest of our lives. You it's know, not fair to well. our other children either, right? Yeah. And we watch our kids grow and they're, they see our frustration when Luke's having a rough day. And, and during this quarantine, he's had lots of those rough days. So his future, you know, defines our future and it's all up in the air. So there's so many unknowns, you know, is he going to end up in a home and is it going to be a good enough home? Are we going to have to constantly transfer him as an adult? And will he adapt to the, his environment and the people around him? And there's so many questions that we won't know the answers to until he's old enough and accepted into a group home or private facility or that we feel comfortable that with. we feel comfortable and, with. Right, and how are we going to be able to visit him? And, and maintain relationships with all of the other kids. And yeah. yeah, it's a lot. You want to talk about what we've been working on with him during this quarantine period? We've had a couple of little goals that we've... Maybe you're not even aware. What goals do we have? <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of words, a, a lot come of progressive, out, like yeah, very behavior. surprising during yeah, this period. Uh-huh. And he's just so desperate, I think, to get his point across that he's figured out, like, yeah. I need to learn how to communicate. Right. <laughs> and the advantage that we have in having so many kids is we have to be very specific like you either figure this out or you're on your own because we can't just cater have this broad rule that says if you want something you can sort it out on your own everybody has to come to us and lucas has figured that out as well if he's not specific right in what his needs are then we're like you're on your own buddy sorry we gotta we got other kids to take care of other things to deal with so he has been learning to to try his best to inform us of his needs and mostly desires. What did he say to you last night? You came and told me something, and I was like... Thank you. Thank you. He yeah, said thank you for the first time You gave ever. him a bath. I gave him a bath. I gave him his iPad and got him all settled, <laughs> got his jammies on, and finally found the show that he wanted on his, on his iPad and his music and, right. in his room. And he just looked at me and said, thank you. And right. he put his head down like he didn't even think about it. It just happened. Right. And I addressed something yesterday. And I once I figured it out, he said, bye, see you later. 
like, bye. So how do you think people who have no understanding of a child like Luke can best respond or approach Mm -hmm. him? I'm thinking of one scenario in specific when we went to the park and Luke reached out and grabbed an older gentleman and the older gentleman was really ticked off (laughs) and I felt bad. I mean, here's this 15 year old kid reaching out and like grabbing him. Right. But I think he should count his blessings. He didn't grab his hair, (laughs) but I saw like disgust come over this guy's face. And I, I try to put myself in that scenario. Like would I respond well if some 15-year-old boy reached out and grabbed me, like, probably I wouldn't be too pleased about that. But how do you think people should approach him if they don't understand? Would you want them to ask you questions? No. If I'm being honest, I would treat him like anybody else. I, I don't go to strangers and ask them about their kids, or I don't go touch them or get close enough to them to make them afraid of me, which is what would have to take place in order for him to come in contact with somebody. And most of the people that he touches, they get really embarrassed and, and but they want to pretend like it doesn't bother them. So they like get close to him and like, Oh, it's fine. It's fine. If he licks all over me or he bites me, I'm, I'm okay with it. It's okay. But it's not. And we're like dying. Like, don't let him do that. Please Luke, don't do that. But I think it's more embarrassing for us than it is for them. But people don't know how to approach him. But don't approach him. Yeah. I would say treat him like... Because he likes his space. Yeah. He not, wants, not in a bad sense, but just stay. give him his perimeter. He's kind of like a grumpy old man. He is. And his vision's like, not fantastic. So I think a lot of times he grabs for things to see what they are. And our littlest one, Annabelle, he usually grabs her hair. Right. And he's not trying to be mean to her, I don't think. I mean, there's that possibility, but I don't think he has a mean bone in his body. Right. So when he grabs somebody, even if it hurts them, it's just to get what he wants. And he doesn't know, he hasn't, he doesn't have social cues. Yeah. What do you wish other people understood better about our situation? Is there anything that you feel like we're, we're just misunderstood about all the time? <laughs> That's a deep question. I don't know that I could be specific about that, but I think just it's a daily task, like 24 hours a day. There's no shut off button. Like he has to be in your mind all the time. There's not, there's never a moment when he's safe enough or he's protected or he just is on our mind constantly. And I think I don't think people realize how difficult that is, even with wonderful special kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if he didn't scream all the time and didn't have problems, he is still something that you have to be focused on no matter what you're doing. Uh, our day revolves around his day every day. And if he wakes up in the middle of the night, stuff that we have to deal with in the middle of the night, and he's not a normal kid that can just say, my stomach hurts. You know, or have a headache, or can I have some Pepto, right. or and go back to sleep? Uh, he's he's just a constant. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to explain that. So PTSD, PTSD, Care, caregiver for sure. PTSD. Yeah, because it's this constant fight or flight. Yes, you, you don't have ever this, feel like you can just relax. You have a level of anxiety, mm-hmm, no matter grade. what. 
stress. Even if it's a great day, you have a low-grade anxiety saying, oh, no, what's going to happen now? When's he going to scream or... Yeah. Like... And this time, is he screaming because his shunt's not working again? Right. Is he, is he going to end up in ICU again? In the middle of a COVID crisis. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a huge believer in self-care. Are you able to incorporate <laughs> this into your life at all? And how? Not very well. I'm. You know me very well. I'm not very good at that. But I think incorporating things that I enjoy at the house, if I can get out in the shop and do some woodworking stuff or even the garden, I claim it as my own, my garden. I know sometimes you disagree with that because you have to do stuff, something with everything I grow. Right. <laughs> it's my kitchen, your garden. Right. Yeah. I think, I, I think it's something I do have to work on. But it's, I've had some challenges with, you know, having the, the shoulder surgery that just a few months ago, I can't go play golf. I can't really go fishing. I can't do, I can't play basketball or volleyball. All the things that I really enjoy doing are on hold for the next year or so. So it's been a challenge in living in this environment that we're in now. I don't have any friends around here and or to speak of. I mean, there's some acquaintances and some people that I work with that I really enjoy, but yeah, that was interesting because we moved here and then we sort of went into this COVID crisis. So right. we had joined a church and then because of Luke's hospitalizations, we couldn't attend. And then quarantine, right. we can't attend. So yeah. it has been a very interesting period of life. And you do take your wife on a date almost weekly. I do. I do take my wife out every right. week. Not almost. I don't think we've missed a week since we've been married, unless one of us was sick. Or Well, during this period, we had to get creative we did. with our dates. Yeah. Use our travel trailer. Yeah. Or just go out and have some pizza and wine. Porch and, and yell at the kids. <laughs> Leave us alone. We're on a date. We're on a date. Leave, Leave us, us alone. alone. Here's your screen. Maya, you're supposed to be babysitting these kids. We're on a date. Um, we give Luke a bath. Exactly. <laughs> So what are the best ways for people to help us, like us and other caregivers? Like, how do you think people often look at our situation and think, gosh, it just seems so overwhelming. Like, what what can people do for families like ours? It's hard. That's the million-dollar question. I know in our situation, for sure, because people have asked specifically, we don't know what to do for you. What can we do for you? Some people have gotten creative recently and brought us meals you know and just I think just being recognized that this is really hard especially with these new routines that he has to go through being stuck at home Mm -hmm. during this crisis when he's used to going to school and and there was a time he didn't like school and that was frustrating as well for us because he was always upset all the time so I don't know bring us a meal throw out you know send a letter in the mail send us an email saying gosh, we don't understand what you're going through, but we're praying for you and hoping that, you know, you get through this and, you know, we want to do something for you. Even ask us specifically, is there something we can do for you today or tomorrow or next week? Or, you know, if somebody wanted to come and pick up our kids for a couple days or I guess not a couple days, we don't really want them to spend the night anywhere, but (laughs) <laughs> maybe a month or so you could take all, right. all of our probably kids. right not right now right it would be nice to find somebody that could help with Luke and we've had a real challenge with that here we have and I think a lot of that is as he's aging um yeah. the thought of changing a 
15-year-old boy's diaper, like, isn't super appealing to most people. I mean, understandably. And it's really expensive to hire help. I heard that the going rate for, like, that kind of care is, like, $25 an hour. Right, which, yeah, it's not something we can afford. Just outrageous. So, yeah, I think what I always say in my hashtag, see me too, I think Mm -hmm. most caregivers just want to be seen, like, recognize that what we're doing is hard. Just you know, see us yeah. goes a long ways with an email or a card or a meal or whatever that may look like. Yeah. I think it too, it, speaking for us and for all these other caregivers, don't be afraid of that kid. Don't be afraid of the Lucases in, in this world just because you don't understand them doesn't mean they're not just a normal kid deep down. Their needs are pretty simple. They're actually much more basic than the rest of our kids. So be friends with that family. Go spend time with that child, however that looks. So you want to change your answer about how people can how they approach can you. Us. No, how people can approach you if they don't understand. Because if they're going to become friends with us and with our child, yeah. we're going to want them to have an understanding yeah. of how he operates. And that's, I guess that's the point I'm trying to make is yeah. talk to these families and find out, is there a way that that you know, that somebody could adapt and help out around your house or help with that child or take them to the park. I mean, we've had people that volunteered to do that a few times. Yeah, that was awesome. That was. Just um, to get him out of the house and walk him around the yeah. park. And, and he's really not that complicated, especially in short intervals. Because mm-hmm. if he he does need a diaper change, you can always bring him home. Right. One of us is around. And in an, in an environment that he loves so much at a park setting. Yeah. Like... That is a huge help. I agree. Well, honey, do you have anything else to add? I don't. I'm excited for your podcast. Yay. I'm excited that I'm your favorite person. In the whole wide world. In the whole world. wide world. And my children. No. <laughs> Sometimes. They can't be your favorites. I'm your favorite. <laughs> so I have three takeaway questions that I'm going to ask every guest I have. The first one, how has being a caregiver to a child with special needs changed you? Yeah. I thought I had a cheat sheet, but I don't remember reading these questions. They were on your sheet I gave you. I'm just messing with you. (laughs) That was a difficult one. How has it changed me? I think it's, I guess it's given me a new approach on the way I view life, how simple it can be when I think about Luke. I think that child has never sinned. He's never done anything to be mean He just gets his needs met. And I think if we could approach life much more simply, we could meet our needs much more simply as well. So I think it just gives me a chance to reevaluate what's important in life and say, is that really that valuable that I need that or can I live without it? And then, you know, you, you start thinking about how important family is and how short life can be. And I don't know, I think it just gives you perspective. Get back to the basics. Back to the basics. Simple as possible. I like that. If you had one hour all to yourself, one glorious hour, (laughs) how would you spend it? Is that one of those things like uh, I could ask for more wishes? Can I ask one hour for more hours? No. (laughs) One hour. I'm not sure what I would do. I think I like to sit in the chair and watch a football game. But there aren't any football football games right now. Right. I'd like to go shoot hoops, but I can't do that right now. 
because of I your think shoulder. Because of my shoulder. I think probably just being out in the, in the wood shop, you know, creating something, just being out there in the, it's kind of noisy, but it's my own quiet where there aren't any needs of anybody else but me and Luke's is in the house and I don't hear him screaming. I don't hear any kids bellowing at me to help them change the batteries or a light bulb or the toilet stopped up again. You just can't hear it over your I just can't hear it. That? The saws. The saws. That's right. It's that's really loud. That's why so. I call it my quiet. Right. I think that's probably what you I would do. You wouldn't go fishing? In an hour. No, no. Not worth it. No, that's what I said. If I had more hours maybe. True. I need lots of hours to fish. True. Especially, I, I'm, I'm not aware that great of how at many it. hours you need to fish. <laughs> if you want me to catch anything. Right. <laughs> Addressing that in the new book. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, how many cups of coffee are you drinking these days? How many cups of coffee? Two a day. Coffee unless, with caregivers. Unless my wife gets up earlier than me. <laughs> then, you don't, then I get one and a half. <laughs> Very true. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah. Glad I got to be your first guest, I guess. Am I? Yeah. Yeah, you are. That's very exciting. So I'm sure we'll have you back. Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe I'll interview you. you. If you don't cause any controversy. Yeah. All right, y'all. Just keep living. Thanks for listening today. If you want to know more about The Lucas Project, find us at thelucasproject.org. If you want to know more about my story, check out justplusthemess.com or find me on social media. Or better yet, check out my memoir, Sunlight Burning at Midnight. In the meantime, please leave a quick review. These are so important in the podcast world and help us gain traction and recognition. And until our next conversation, let's do what we do best. Just keep living. Thank you.